Well, thanks so very much for um, talking about letting your light shine. And we're gonna be talking a little bit about that today. Um, I think what I'd like to first say this is this, that you and I are living in the time of the greatest opportunity. It doesn't matter whether you're rich or poor. It doesn't matter whether you're male or female. It doesn't matter whether you've been educated uh, and have six degrees, or if you've been educated through the school of hard knocks. This is an amazing time for you and for me, an amazing time of opportunity. And you might say, oh, Howard, haven't you been reading the newspapers? Don't you know that uh, when global warming reaches uh, three degrees above normal, half the planet's gonna be uninhabitable? Where's the opportunity in that? Or maybe you've watched Richard Attenborough's program about uh, the planet Earth, which talks about how um, we're losing more and more biomass material and uh, soon we'll be bankrupt in terms of the variety of, uh, of biology that there is available in the earth. No, I haven't forgotten about that either. Maybe you've watched that Netflix uh, video about the way social media is increasingly in control of your life and my life and we're losing freedom and we're losing the ability to know the truth. I haven't forgotten that either, but I, and I know that the world is in a mess. I know that my generation, the baby boomers, are maybe more responsible than anybody for that. We're standing on the eve of destruction. Yes, perhaps the signs are pointing to that. But in our reading this morning from 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, St. Paul says this. Now concerning the times and seasons, brothers and sisters, you don't need to have anything written to you. For you yourselves know very well that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. Before the day of the Lord comes, there is incredible opportunity, opportunity for you, opportunity that you're being offered. And Jesus spoke about this day when the Lord would return, the day that everything would sort of come to an end and we'd have to make an account for what we've been doing. And he used parables among other things to talk about that. And he told parables to give us a better idea of what he was trying to say. And last week, we heard about the 10 bridesmaids. Five were wise, and they made sure that they were ready for the return of the Lord. And the picture Jesus gave us in that story was that they made sure that their lamps were full of oil and they kept the flame burning. And the other five weren't so wise. They let their lamps run out of oil and they had to run off to get more oil for their lamps when the Lord returned or when the when the bridegroom returned. And uh, so they were left out in the dark while the others went in to enjoy the banquet. So one picture of being ready for the day of the Lord that Jesus told us in that parable is make sure you're doing what you can to be ready. Don't, don't be just sitting around, be conscious that things will come to an end sooner or later. And this week, Joe, Jesus shows us the same idea, but from a different angle. He speaks of a wealthy man going away for some time. So he calls his servants together and he tells them of his plans. He's going to entrust some very valuable things, some money to them, and he wants them to look after it. And while he was, is away, he says to them, I want you to do your very best for the estate. Run things like I was here. And he wants them to take good care of the things that have been entrusted to them. And they're entrusted with all of the wealth that the landowner has. And they're given an opportunity, a great opportunity to really shine. So that's that idea that 
there's great opportunity for you here right now. And perhaps it would be good to remind ourselves of why Jesus was telling these two parables about the return of the kingdom or the day when the Lord will return. And so we go back to the chapter before, chapter 24, and Jesus was leaving the temple grounds and his disciples were with him. And as we were walking along, they were looking at these great, huge Herodian stones. They were the stones that built the temple by King Herod. And some of them were about 40 feet long, 40 feet long, and uh, seven inches wide and um, 48 inches high. And they weighed tons, 80 tons about that. And the disciples looked at him and thought, well, this is all unshakable. And Jesus turned to them and he said something that shocked them. He said, you see all these buildings here? You see how big and solid they look? I tell you the truth. One day, they're just going to be rubble. They'll be completely demolished. Not one stone will be left on top of another. And then later, Jesus speaking to the same disciples, they were asking about, well, what did you mean by all of that? He tells them privately, this is what, what, the, what the signal will be for the return of the age. And then Jesus spends this next time um, explaining to them the story about the 10 virgins and also the story of the wealthy man who left town. And he said, always return to this thought. So you too must keep watch for you don't know the day when the Lord is returning. And to help us understand more about the day that the Lord will return, this great and terrible day, he told those two stories, one about the bridegroom and, um, and the, the bridesmaids. But he thought that isn't enough because it doesn't paint the full picture. So Jesus tells another story about the wealthy landowner who's going away. He's going to be away for, for some time. And he gives the servants this great opportunity. They're each given silver, bags of silver, one weighing five talents. And that would have been equivalent to maybe 75 pounds or three, 34 kilos in, in those days. And uh, to each one, he gives something. And the idea was that they should take this and invest it, get a return on it for the, for the wealthy landowner and show yourselves by doing that to be faithful stewards. And that was the idea. Now notice that in verse 15, here's the key to the whole thing. He gave to every one of them according to their ability and then he went on his journey. Each person's ability was what determined how much they received. Not all of us have received the same amount. This is something you need to understand about this parable. Not everybody's the same. Everybody was created differently with different mental capabilities, different verbal capabilities, differing skills and talents and all sorts of different gifts that you've been given. And all of us are different. And that's by design of God. It's okay to be a one if you're a one. It's okay to be a two if you're a two. It's okay to be a five if you're a five. It's a picture of spiritual capacity and spiritual privilege and spiritual responsibility and opportunity. And in the story, you know, there's the servant who really loves his master and he's going to say, boy, here's my opportunity to show him how much I love him. Here's my opportunity to really invest my time and my energy and my thought and my work to bring back a good return on all that he has given me. Here's my opportunity to show him that he was right in trusting me. Here's my opportunity to show that his confidence in me was war warranted and I want to live up to what he thinks. And the issue is, what do we do 
with the opportunities that God gives us? What are the talents that God has given me? What are the talents that God has given you? It might include teaching. It might be that you've received a great gift of teaching. How have you invested that teaching? It might be in being in fellowship with people and with God and giving guidance to people. And um, how have you mentored other people in our faith? How have you um, allowed yourself to grow in order that you may help others to grow? Or what about kindness? Have you received kindness in your life? And how have you invested that kindness so that the kindness that you've received um, increases the kindness in the world and others see what it's like to be kind and that you've touched others with that kindness? Nor how much of the treasure of God's love that God poured out for you have you shared with others? How much of the opportunity to hear God's word have you shared with others? You know, you heard the story about God sending his son and saving the world. And have you shared that story so that others have this treasure within them as well? If you're somebody who has money, how have you shared your money with those around you? Or how have you shared your understanding of how to make money with others, sort of mentoring them in that way? Have you shared your God-created intellectual capacities, emotional capacities, gifts, and skills for the benefit of the whole kingdom? What about the mercy you've received from God? Have you been a person who shows mercy to others and tells them that you show mercy because of the mercy that you've received? God brought you into the kingdom of God. Jesus paid a heavy price for you to be welcomed into the kingdom of God. God's given you all of these talents, these gifts, according to your ability. Are you seizing the opportunity to increase the kingdom of God? Or have you buried your talents? Do you, do you share them freely? Or do you say, you know, my faith is a private thing and I'm not sharing this with anybody. I don't talk about it in public. Faith is private. Well, that's not what God requires of us. He wants us to share this incredible good fortune that we have within us. The issue is this, of the talents, the treasures, the gifts that God has entrusted me, am I giving back to him double what he gave to me or triple? Or for the two talents, am I only giving back one? Have I really been working to increase God's investment in me? And then I think of these words from verse 16 in Matthew chapter 25. The one who had received five talents went off at once and traded with them and made five talents more. This servant didn't waste any time. He or she began immediately at once and doubled what she had been given. And that's what a good servant does. A good servant gets busy, shows commitment to the Lord. It shows a real thankfulness for being entrusted. And the second servant, servant did the same. But the third one, that's the one there's all a controversy about, the third one went and buried their one talent in the ground. And that was a commonplace practice. Keep your money safe. Bury it in the field somewhere. Bury it where nobody will know. Keep your money safe and then you'll have it when you need it. It's a bit like putting your, your, your own savings into a bank savings account today. Hopefully it's safe, but you don't get much investment back on, on the money that you put there. You might as well put it under your mattress. This story isn't telling us that the one who is given only one talent will always be the one who does poorly or who is unfaithful. 
what it's saying is that even though you have only one, you're responsible for it. You're responsible for what you do with it. See, the point is this. You are responsible to give back to God a return on the tremendous spiritual opportunity that he gave you. Even if it was only for one and not five talents, even if your opportunity was limited, each one of us is still responsible for what we do. And then on the day of the Lord's return, you'll be ready. You'll be able to give an accounting. I know you're saying, but what about the one who didn't work to increase the investment that they were entrusted with? What about the one servant who stuck his master's money into the ground and went and spent his time doing whatever it was he wanted to do. He went to the party or he went somewhere, but he didn't pay any attention to being a good servant to his master. He called himself a servant, but maybe he wasn't really. He said he belonged to the master, but he didn't. And he proved that by example about the way he lived his life. And here again, we see the same kind of warning from our Lord that he gives over and over again. Be sure that though you're outwardly associated with the kingdom, that you're also inwardly associated, inwardly belonging to the kingdom. Each one of us needs to look at our own lives and ask, do my actions demonstrate to God that I'm faithful to him? Listen. This is your day of opportunity. This is my day of opportunity. This is the acceptable time. This is the appointed time. This is the time of salvation. None of us know how long it will be till that day of the Lord happens. Death, I don't know what you want to call it, rapture of the church, the second coming of Jesus, that great and terrible day are on the horizon, whether it's for each one of us individually or as we look at the times and seasons, maybe we see something bigger about to happen. We need to study those signs and seasons. We need to be ready to look into our own hearts and ask, is this genuine? Do my actions show that I genuinely know the Lord and love the Lord and want to serve the Lord? Big questions coming from these two parables as Jesus talks about great opportunity and how we can live our lives in preparation for the coming of the King. We're going to take just a moment to pray now. And, um, and then we'll have some time to reflect. So let's pray. Lord, it's our prayer that no one would be deceived by Satan or by our own self-deception, but that each one of us would look into our lives to see whether we are wheat or weeds, to see whether we're good soil or bad soil, a house with a foundation or a house without a foundation, whether we're the bridesmaids with oil or without, whether we're servants who serve the Lord and make the most of our spiritual privilege or people who are only serving ourselves and who ignore the spiritual opportunity that you've given us. Open our hearts, our minds, our lives to you. 
that we might hear you speaking into our lives. May each of us truthfully examine our hearts and may your spirit do whatever is necessary to bring reality of serving you, our King, in our lives. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.